When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome everybody, this is your host Christopher Rennie bringing another episode of the Buck Off Podcast on Land Grant Podcast Network. We have to give a very hearty welcome back. If you're driving, you don't have to do this, but if you're not, let's get a round of applause. Jordan's back. He's a married man, honeymooned in Tulum. Uh, he's, he's glowing right now. You can see it. You can see the difference it made in his life. There's just no... No stress on his face at all. I mean, it's the Ohio State offseason, so as we get back and we discuss stuff, the stress will rise. It's what we do. It's what we signed up for. But until then, welcome back, Jordan. It's not an as always because the last couple weeks, but it will again be an as always. So how you feeling? Uh, I'm good. It's funny that you say that because someone said that to me at work too. Something similar. Like, oh, you seem different. And I was like, yeah, just give me a week or two. I'll be back in. I'll be back into it. I was like, uh, ten days in Tulum. You know, it, it brings a little bit of happiness to you. But then, uh, you know, a week back at work, and I'm uh, already drinking after work again. So, uh, <laughs> it, 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 I'll be I'll be back to my normal self here real quick. <laughs> yeah, you just need a uh, one off season Ohio State conversation. That's just unnecessary. Like I've been, I've been doing my best to like use social media more as like a tool to just like spew opinion, post my work, get off of it. But the other day I was on, I was on Twitter, um, and I saw this. I saw these people, like you know the the fan recruiting pages. Um, they do great work covering you know the boards, making sure all the information's out there for everybody. But, man, there was a Michigan one and an Ohio State one going back at each other. They were calling each other names. It was pretty heinous. And for both schools, I hope Aaron Scott Jr. does not see it. But takes one of those, and you'll be right back to being like, okay, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And then you'll get on the show. We'll have some fun. We'll discuss it, and then we'll move on. But we're not going to discuss that. That's that's internet. It's internet trash. We're here to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. This is the Lakers yeah. podcast. We are officially part of the Silver Screen and Roll Network at SB Nation. And we're here to bring you an update on Game 5 and the chances that the Warriors come back against the Lakers if Anthony Davis does not play. Um, all jokes aside, we're both huge LeBron fans. Um, let's just get started with an easy one. Do you think the Warriors can go back or do you think we're going to have to face the sadness we have been facing for probably a quarter of our life. Honestly, I just think it's it's really really hard to um it's really hard to win 3 in a row 
And if it was a Warriors team that we're used to, I would say that they have a chance, like they had a, a much better chance. But honestly, the Warriors have no depth. Um, they won the last game, but Draymond had his first 20 point game since like 2019. If AD is healthy, even if he's not healthy in game six, even if they lose game six, I just don't think that the Warriors can win three straight. And part of the reason I think that is because we already had the classic Steph game, like 30-something points. He had a triple-double, and they still lost. So even if Steph does go crazy in Game 7, which is probably going to happen, I think that the Lakers can withstand it if AD is healthy. Um, So I think they still probably lose in Game 6, to be completely honest with you. I think the Lakers wrap it up in 6. But even if they don't, it hurts my heart to say this, because I just feel like, like, I don't know that I fully, fully believe it as I'm saying it, but I do think that, I mean, it's just really, it's really hard to win three straight. There's a reason why 95% of teams that win, that go up 3-1 win. And I just don't, even with Steph, I don't think the, the um, I don't think the Saints have the team that yeah. they've had previously to, to be able to do it. And uh, yeah. It's interesting because I feel like we're both incredibly confident when we we shoot off a take, right? And then there's just something about it, you know, with the Warriors. There's like just a like slight bit, like a one percent fear. I'm like, yeah, Lakers got this. LeBron's got this. He can't lose this. He's never lost three one. And then I keep talking myself up into like an anxiety about it. And that's just what the Warriors have done to my psyche. They're one of the only sports teams in the world that I will openly say. Are in my head. They've been in my head for seven years. It's a big part of my what got me into Twitter was arguing with Warriors fans during the good old days. LeBron Cavs, Steph Warriors. Um, so I I, I I was talking to someone about this the other day. I think it was my buddy Jake. He was we were talking about it in our group chat, and I was like, I don't think I felt like this youthful as a basketball fan since the last time the Cavs played the Warriors with LeBron. Even when LeBron won a championship, I was happy for him. Even when the Cavs were playing the Knicks in the first round, and you know they were getting they were getting spanked a little. It was fun, but man, there's like a giddiness I get. There's like I feel like a kid again. I feel like that 18, 19 year old that was watching LeBron come back three one block shot, and I, I just didn't think that ever happened again with the NBA. So, however it goes, I'm happy. I could say that I truly enjoyed the NBA playoffs up to whatever point it ends for me. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's probably going to end eventually. But, hey, I mean, you know, what can we do? Hey, do the Nuggets have championship DNA? No. Do the Suns have championship <laughs> DNA? No. They have their one obstacle in front of them right now. And if you're a LeBron hater, you're probably going to just despise the first six minutes of this show. So I'm going to take this part out. You guys should skip forward like 15 more seconds, and then you're good. So take this to the beginning, and then – you're good to go. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Where do you want to get started today? I th- I put the transfer portal first. I think it's the best time to talk about it now. We've had the losses out of the portal. We've had the gains through the portal. Um, I'm not paid to count scholarships, so I'm just going to go on the whim and say Ohio State's good. Um, but either way, Ohio State has – it seems like they're done. I think, I think everyone – could agree it seems like they're done working in the portal after the commitment of Tywo Malone 
So before we get into the conversations about it, players we're most excited for, you know, the questions about Ryan Day's portal philosophy and how it changed, I'm just going to get into the players lost, the players gained, and we'll go through it. So in the portal, Ohio State lost Caleb Brown, Ben Chrisman, Caleb Burton. Um, they lost uh, J.K. Johnson in January. They lost Javante Jean-Baptiste in January. They lost Mason Arnold in January. Long snapper. Johnson done in December. And um, I guess Taraja Mitchell still counted. So, yep, Taraja Mitchell, Jalen Johnson, and another long snapper. Man, Ohio State just cannot keep long snappers. Um, But what they gained on the other side of it is Lorenzo Styles. So ease of worry like Sonny Styles is going to be here for the long haul he's coming in as a corner I think that's exciting Tywell Malone um, he is a three star transfer but he was a top 100 recruit um, go watch him hit home runs you might get as excited as me Josh Simmons to help on the offensive line most notably before spring Davison Igby Nosen Victor Cutler Tristan Jevia uh, and that's the incoming guys so if you guys are keeping track, just go to 24-7 Sports. We're going to talk about quite a few of these guys. But on the exits, we were probably very early on it. We knew once the first practice, when they said Noah Rogers and Carnell Tate showed up for professionals, the, 2000, uh, the 2021 class, the second-year receivers, they were, they were probably on their way out. There's two remaining, Keon Grays, Kojo Antwi, but... I don't think we could say we're shocked that Caleb Bird and Caleb Brown left. Um, and I think it's going to be for the best form. So let's start there. Let's start with that position group. Are you surprised to see that we were so right again? No, no, because here's the thing. Like, I don't, you know, I know we joke and we do the bit about the uh, being recruiting experts and things like that. And, and I'm sure if you go back, I, I feel like I said something, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm lying, but I was never super, super excited about that wide receiver class. I just trusted that it would be good because it's Brian Hartline, right? Like you're going to trust that they're going to be good no matter what. But when you compare that class to other classes, it was a little weaker. And I'm sure that Brian Hartline was right and that they're going to be good. I fully expect both of them to be the best player immediately on their new team. And if anyone else from that class transfers, they're probably going to be great too. But it felt like just like a slight dip from previous classes, the Marvin Harrison class, the Garrett Wilson class, like all of that kind of stuff. And so you still believe in them, right? Because it's Brian Hartline. But then when you immediately follow it up with Carnell Tate, with Brandon Ennis, with Noah Rogers, with Bryson Rogers, it's like, I, I mean, yeah, this, I mean, this, we, like, this class, this class is really, detail. really good. And like, I think they weren't the best receivers in their class. But if you lined up the next class against all of them, I'm not sure they would be ranked the same way. Yeah, we said that. Like, if you put them, if you, whichever one you want to do it, if you put 2022, 2023 with 2022, 2023 is the best receivers in that class easily. Even the top of the 2022 class is not better than the top of the 2023 class. Not just at Ohio State. I mean, the actual class of wide receivers as a whole. If you put 2022 and 2023, they, I don't think none of them might be top 10 wide receivers in 2023. So 
Um, They got the best of the class. It's just that as a whole, the actual just wide receiver prospects in 2023, not just at Ohio State, just in the country were better. And you get that class and it's like Kojo Antwi was 170. Um, You know, um, Caleb Burton was 170. Like they were smaller. And it's just like, I don't know. You're happy with them until you get the next class. And it's like that gift with the dude walking with his girl and he turns his head and there's another girl. Like, I turned my head and I saw the 2023 class and I was like, ooh. We're already ooh. on to the next one. That's, and, and, that's, that's a really pretty class right there. Like, like that, 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 and, they really, it, <laughs> it does feel like the two guys who had the most inroads and were playing consistently the best. I know Keon Gray's, you know, he's battled injuries and stuff, so I don't think we've got to – and so is Caleb Burden, but I feel like those two were – seemed to be having good springs, but – there's a reason they ended up in Power Five schools. There's a reason Hugh Freeze wanted Caleb Burton. Like these guys are talented. I I don't think either of us want to say they're not. It's just really hard when you've got guys like Noah Rogers, who's already built like a Division One receiver, who doesn't need that. Like a year in the weight room is going to help him a lot, but doesn't necessarily need it to produce. Uh, Cardell Tate looks incredibly similar to. A lot of receivers you see on Sunday, and he's 18 years old. And that is horrifying. Um, and to build on to that, we thought the 2023 class was good. Jeremiah Smith next year in the 2024 class is better than all three of the best receivers in that class. So you wait it out, and you look at all that stuff. It's kind of crazy when you put it into perspective. And I think that's one thing. I don't know if recruiting sites have like a – you know, formula for this, but I, I know they like rate it like Jeremiah Smith's not a thousand ranked recruit, right? And he's a number two. He's probably the lowest composite average number two recruit in a while. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it doesn't feel like just because they, it feels like they fill out the five stars no matter what. They fill out the four stars no matter what. They fill out the three stars no matter what. And like, maybe that's not always the case. You know what I'm saying? So, I think the 2017 receiver class, I don't think they'll be bad. I, I think they'll be really good wherever they end up. I'm excited to see Caleb Burden play in Hugh Freeze's offense. He seems like the type of player that Hugh Freeze is going to use in a lot of ways. Hugh Freeze is Auburn, right? I'm not losing my mind here. No, yep. Hugh Freeze is Auburn. All right, cool. Um, and then Iowa, that one, Caleb Brown, I, I was really excited for him. Um when he entered the portal, I'm like, oh, cool, this guy, he's shown some stuff. He's looked pretty good in both spring games. Like, uh, I, I kind of get it. Like, his body type doesn't necessarily fit what Ohio State wants to do. Uh, but Iowa, man. Um, that's just a – that's bad. Like, he's immediately going to be the best receiver there. But I wouldn't go – like, you couldn't pay me to go to Iowa. And I yeah. think Iowa's paying because they've actually done surprisingly good in the transfer portal. But I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, and I mean, they said they want to modernize their offense, um, whatever that means. I mean, there's a long way to go until it is modern. But, yeah, um, that's the two receivers uh, that entered it. We've got – the other guy that is kind of of note in his own way is Ben Chrisman. I think that one uh, was – I don't know if that was surprising or not. I mean, he's kind of getting older. I think he's entering his third season. It is now or never for him, so it makes well, sense to get on the field. 
Um, yeah, he's and- one of he's one of those ones where it's just like he shouldn't have been here. No disrespect to him, he was never going to play here. So, he, unlike some of the other guys, that's probably not going to play here. He saw it early enough, and he's going to go somewhere where he's going to yeah. get some some play. Well, so, and Carson Tenzin's in front of him now, and uh, um, I, I, some of the other younger guys seem to have passed him. So. Once you start getting passed by people who are younger than you um, and they bring transfers in that can play your position, that usually is a sign. Um, yeah, um, I don't think there's a lot to talk about there. I, the only reason it sucks is that does hinder the O-line depth a little bit, but it also opens up more room for Justin Fry to utilize a scholarship. And it also... Um, it just really it's just one of those situations you know players have to make their decisions too um and then any other ones that are of note that have left since nope those were all pre-spring practice so yeah that's all we've got um i don't think i missed any so let's get to the additions of the guys who have come in uh josh simmons tywell malone lorenzo styles those three guys which one excites you the most immediately um, and I don't think we need to talk about least because I think we are in agreement on that. Yeah, I would say it's, it's the defensive tackle, man. I mean, hell of an athlete, a star baseball player. Probably like Ohio State's probably not bringing him in the transfer portal to play baseball, so he's most not likely not going to. But could have played baseball here, and it's at a position of need. Like we're very high on the offensive on the defensive line. We're probably going to talk about that here a little bit later, but. We're very high at the top, uh, very good at the top stars, but the, the depth is a little – it's like you're excited about the depth, but you still need them to work out. And so, like, I'm excited about Hero Canoe, but I'm not sure that he's ready yet. I'm excited about um, – you know some of the other guys but you're not sure that they're ready and so getting him as a player that even if he doesn't break the starting lineup because we have really good defensive tackles he gives you a solid top four of Mike Hall of Tyreek Williams of Ty Hamilton and now you have Taiwan Malone that is a that is a top four defensive tackle that, that any yeah yeah crazy that's a, a top four that anybody would ask for in the country. Alabama would be happy with that. Georgia would be happy with that. USC, like all of these guys, they would be happy with that for so, USC would just be happy with it. Uh, they yeah. would <laughs> do unforgivable things to have that as their defensive line. Yeah, so it has to be him, right? And it's like, it's weird because he's not so much an instant starter kind of like immediate, we're absolutely going to get him. If we're including if we're including Davison, he's probably the answer, but I feel like we can include him. He's not new. We know he's here. We know what he's. I mean, we don't know what he's gonna do, but we've we've had the hype and the conversation and all that kind of stuff. I feel like it has to be him. I, I just think it takes a, another step in the defense actually being good and the defense being able to win the big games that unfortunately the defense lost us last year. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think it's a common conversation we've had this off season. You know, with some of the older guys leaving either to the pros or in the transfer portal in Javante John-Baptiste and Tyler Friday's case. But I, I look at it and, you know, even if Kenyatta Jackson can't do it consistently in the, as a two, right? Even if Kenny Curry has those, like, second-year, first-time major rotation player mistakes, like, their upside is too valuable this year. They're, 
And I think that's what Tywo Malone brings. Like, instead of having Jaden McKenzie, who's a fine player, like, he's going to do his job. He's going to know his assignment. He'll eat up his block for two or three plays to give the guys in front of him a blow. You get a fourth guy who's was a highly touted high school recruit, top 100 player, incredibly athletic. He's going to have Larry Johnson teaching him, and he's not going to be expected to be a game changer like Mike Hall, like Tyreek Williams. He's not going to expect to be the uh, most consistent guy like Ty Hamilton. So I think that really takes off a lot of pressure on what he needs to do. He's not at Ole Miss where it's expected that he's supposed to be one of the elite producers on the defense. And I think that's going to be kind of freeing for him, you know, and he could play the one, he could play the three. He's that he's a big three, but he could still play it. He's that type of athlete. And I think that is the most exciting part to me about it is he's versatile. Like, I don't think Hero Canoe can switch between the one and the three. So, yes, he's Hero Canoe is probably going to be great depth at the one. But now you've got great an additional guy who can play both. So, I'm with you. I, I think since you took him, I will talk about Josh Simmons still. I think my favorite, my most exciting one was Tywon Malone. I think number two on the list is Joshua Simmons. Um, Justin Fry recruited him at UCLA. He ended up choosing San Diego State for more immediate playing time. Played well. Uh, I wouldn't say elite or bad. I'd say, well, I think that's the safest word to do. Another one of those guys on the offensive line, I don't think he's as raw as Victor Cutler, but he's going to come in. I I don't know if he's going to push for a starting job, but he doesn't need to get the starting job in one year. He adds future depth to the position. And he has experience at a high level. Like the Mountain West is a good football league. And that, that to me, uh, signals that Justin Fry is slowly putting band-aids and duct tape on the airs of the previous coach. And Josh Simmons fills that void. He could play four positions on the offensive line. I, I, we really don't know where they plan on using him yet. Um, but... I think you've got a swing guy at tackle. I think you've got a guy who can play both guards, and that is huge for future prospects. Yeah, I'm very interested with him because it's like, like you said, he played well, not great. One of the things that's encouraging is he got better as the year went on, which is what you want to see because he had a lot of penalties. Um, He's not a good run blocker, but he's a a pretty solid pass blocker. And so it's like – I don't know. It's a little tough. It's a little tough, I'll definitely. But it feels like you can teach run blocking. You can teach the physicality. That's yeah, technique. Ex- especially really someone hard. like Josh Fry, right? Who, who yeah, his whole yeah. thing is the run game. It makes it it's really hard to teach someone the athleticism needed to be a great pass blocker. Yeah. So let me ask you a question that you're not going to have the answer to. I'm just interested in your opinion. So you have Zen, who maybe would have won the job, although I was still betting on Tegra. And now you have this guy. Both of them have some eligibility left. Do you let Tegra continue to fight for the position, or do you move him back to guard so that he's the starter at guard next year, and then you have a two-year starter at tackle between Zen and Josh Simmons? Um, Because I like Tegra at tackle. I still think he's a tackle, but he did start... He did start at guard, and if you're looking at, you know, your best five, if you have two guys who could battle for that position, who is your right guard after Matt Jones? Yeah, that's a good question, and it could be 
anybody but i think once once you get into that like i feel like zen if he loses a job i think he definitely he might be interested in trying to play right guard next year you know i think the loser of the job probably is intrigued in the prospect of getting on the field getting film they saw Paris Johnson Jr. do it, and I'm not saying either of these guys are going to play to his level, but it still gets you early tape. It gives you position versatility, which is something the NFL like really wants. Um, and I, I think Tegra could wait it out and play tackle because, um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe he's a redshirt freshman, so he's still got four years of playing eligibility left, so it's not like he has to be in a hurry. Um, then if he loses the job, I think that makes it a more interesting scenario, though. And that's where I'm kind of stuck. It's like I don't think Tegra needs to go and practice guard because I think there is enough time for him to just wait it out, be a backup, develop physically, and then go in and be the starter in two years, right? But he doesn't have that luxury. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, like, unless a neck is still here, if he somehow has eligibility, we don't have a right guard for next year. Yeah. If like, even if he does have eligibility, he hasn't won the job in like three, four seasons. Do we want him to be the starting right guard? Personally, I'm going to put myself on the line. I'm not ready to say that Tegra's not going to win the job yet. I've already put myself out there. I'm sticking to my guns. I think that he has a lot of potential there. So I'm still going to put in my ballot for him to win the starting right tackle job, even though it's probably unlikely with them bringing in Josh Simmons. But I do wonder if you're like, you know, to to do the thing that we do sometimes, if Josh Simmons is at 85 and mad in that tackle and Tegra is at 86, like say Tegra does kind of win the job, but they're kind of neck and neck or Zen is that kind of thing. Like they're 85, 84, 84. Do you move Tegra to guard where maybe he's at 82, but you have that backup guard because you don't need three right tackles and you have that, you, you have your starter at guard for next year when Matt Jones leaves because you don't trust a neck. I don't know. It's just interesting. That's I, I what can honestly see next year or I can honestly see next year Josh Fire left tackle, Josh Simmons left guard, Carson Hinsman center, um right guard Tegra or Zen and then right guard or right tackle Tegra or Zen. Like I could see that being a legitimate starting five. And I, I think there is potential for Justin Fry to say, and I, I trust him more doing this than I trusted Hugh must not be named, but I trust Fry to say, like, we just want the five best linemen out there. And I'll take his coaching pedigree because then we think about his previous destinations, UCLA, Boston College, he was doing that. He was putting yeah. his best five linemen out there. He was getting the best lineman he could get and then making it work. And I think that's where next year it gets interesting because you lose two, like, footholds on the offensive line in Jones and Jackson. So, yeah. So, it's and then, you know, I mean, but also it could be, you know, it, um, it, um, what, is, uh, what is the – the the guard from that is in 
Luke Luke's class. Austin Sarveld. Austin Sarveld could be ready. I don't know. I didn't mean to spiral us into next season because this season's in the important one, and this is the one where the offensive line's probably going to be iffy. It was just interesting because you bring in Josh Simmons, and you technically probably have Luke as your backup left right left tackle. I think he might earn that spot. Now you have three right tackles with Josh Simmons. Where do you go with that? Because you really don't need three. Either way, I think Josh Simmons was a great pickup. Um, He's going to have to learn how to play at this level. But I think he's more prepared to play at this level than Victor Cutler was. And you made a great point in that if you can pass block, someone like Justin Fry can teach you how to run block. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Josh Simmons plays a center. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, that, that's that's Carson Hensman. That that job's locked up. A lot of people at LGHL for some reason think that Jacob James is going to get the job, and I, I don't know why. Like, I don't know where the Jacob James hype is coming from. I mean, they could yeah. be right, but, like, I just don't know what they've seen to, like, pencil him in. It's, I think that's Carson's job. I'm, I'm just going to. Yeah, and like you said, if they're both 85 overall, let's just put Carson in there. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I was listening to last week, and then I've listened to a couple, and they also put it in the Slack, and I'm like, "Where's the Jacob James hype coming from? I haven't heard his name at all." And then it's yeah. just like now. the coaches just mentioned him as an option, and you know yeah. we all we don't I know. Think it's any- maybe because he's the older player, but ah, it's Carson's stuff. Like, we're able to like decipher what's going on, but we don't know who's actually in the competition. Only the people in the room know who's actually in the competition. Truly, truly. So, I mean, either way, we we pick sides all the time. But if Carson and Tegra don't start, it's because they didn't earn it. If Jacob James starts, it's because he earns it. If Josh, if Josh um, Simmons or Zen starts, it's because they earned it. I don't care who starts. We're not doing as long as it's podcasters. If yeah. we're not making predictions, right? But ultimately, I don't care who starts as long as it's the best. The only thing I'll say, and I'm sorry to bring this up, I disagree with you on last week. You said if Josh Proctor starts, it's because he's earned it. I disagree. They're playing favorites again. Josh Proctor is not the best safety in the room, and that's why. I gotta say I'm sorry. I don't know. I mean I don't think he can earn I don't think he can earn the starting job. I if he starts, I, I'm just gonna assume like, they're playing favorites. <laughs> every year I, I just drink the Josh Parker Kool-Aid and I'm okay with it. I'll be the Josh Parker guy. He needs one guy in his corner. I'll do it. I'll, I'll take Yeah, so like there's you know, gonna play a lot. They're all gonna yeah. play a lot. You know that's the thing in, in the chat. I think I we always forget when we're arguing about safeties. It's like they're gonna play six safeties. They yeah. have to play six safeties. That's not a position. You can just run out and play for 70 plays in a game. It is exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like the joke where it's like, if um, if Tegra Shibola has 10 guys in his corner, I'm in his corner. If he has five, I'm in his corner. If he has one, I'm in his corner. That's you and Josh Proctor. And I'm not in the – he could have 100 guys in his corner, and I'm not there. Give me Kai Stokes. If Josh Proctor has no one in his corner, that means I am no longer here. <laughs> Yeah, like you're gonna you're gonna be the last guy on the Josh Proctor train, and I'm like I've left a long time ago. So, um, but hey, yeah, I, I don't hit in person, and you can never unsee that. I, I I feel you. I do. I mean, he's a great he's a great athlete. Uh, he's, and, it's just I like it happens so much, and it, I feel like in basketball specifically, that's a sport where if you're a great athlete, like there are so many people in the NBA who are six ten, incredible athletes who suck at basketball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's that even mean? They're in the NBA. It's like they're 6'10, they can touch the top of the backboard. You don't need to have that much skill. 
But if they were six five, they wouldn't be in the NBA. Like they would not be in the NBA. And when you're six uh, five, you need more skill than when you're six ten. Just being honest. That's what. That's what I kind of feel like. Josh Proctor is like the football version of that. Like, there's probably not many players on the field faster than him at his size. There's not many players who could jump as high. There's not many players who could cover as much distance. He's just, just not a good football like player. Great football instinct. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. So I don't know. Um, but he, but is yeah. co- he broke his leg. He was coming off that last year. Lathan Ransom broke his leg. I'm going to blame that on why he looks slow when he plays in coverage. But, you know, they might still just look slow in coverage. Yeah. Lathan Ransom, I've said it. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. He's a great safety if you don't make him play one on one. That is his weakness. He hasn't seemed to learn how to do it. No, he won't have to because he's just going to do what Ronnie did. Yes. And that's, that is perfect. Like, I'm glad that he's back there. Never put him in coverage. I bet you he has a great season and he's like a third round pick, like late third round pick. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we still got a few more transfer things to discuss. Um, Last year, I saw an article today, um, and it talked about Ryan Day's opinion. I think it was on 11 Warriors. It was talking about Ryan Day's opinion on the transfer portal last year. It said, what does that tell our guys that we recruited here? What does that say about it? Like, we're still going to evaluate everything, and, like, if there are players that we see as a fit, we'll bring them in. But unless they're a definitively better fit, we're not going to take them. To this year, end of spring, we're going to evaluate some stuff. We're going to look deeply at our roster. We're going to identify the holes we need to fill, and we're going to go out and get players to fill those holes. What changes in a year? And I'll start. You lose three corners to injury in the preseason, and they're forced to play throughout the year with incredible inconsistencies because they're always hurt. You don't have any depth on the offensive line because Luke Whippler decided – it was his time to turn pro. Can't hate on it. Respect have, it. I, I don't respect it. His draft but, stock told him where he should have stayed, but go ahead. But at the end of the day, um, you see recruiting holes. You see – and I'm just going to be honest with you, Randy. Not every player on the Ohio State roster right now or last year was good enough. And when he took over, that was the case as well. And as those players have left, you have not done – enough to reload and refill them this year i think he heard the noise he's like man we have some issues on the offensive line man we could use another corner um we need a uh, safety now that tanner mccallister's gone with a lot of experience in a similar scheme now you look at all the transfers they brought in they were incredibly aggressive this year and it's all because of the shortcomings of the team last year were partially due to depth yeah, it's like I said in the group chat. The reason why it's so hard to quit Ryan Day is he always figures it out and he does the right thing. It just takes too long. He's like, he's always a year late. He should have been an aggressive in the transfer portal last year. He wasn't. He should have fired the defensive coaching staff two years ago. He didn't. It's but it but doesn't mean you see him. Yeah, you see him. I, I, that is a victory lap I will take for a very long time. Him going undrafted, and I don't like to speak ill of anyone, but he had one decent year. He had more arrests than he had good seasons, and he then he goes undrafted. Like yeah, so uh, I'm yeah, whatever. So, but like, it's hard to quit Ryan Day because he figures it out. It's just always a year too late, and the, and it's like. 
it's good that he's willing to learn, but like, why does he have to give the extra leash? If he would have fired the defensive coaching staff a two a year two years ago instead of last year, that would have been a better season. If he would have hit the trench reporter last year instead of this year, that would have been better. But he does still learn, and so it's yeah. like, do you accept that he learns a year too late? Well, or think do about you this. just get rid of him, which some people want. We talked about it with the NIL stuff. Like Ohio State yeah. did not dedicate, and now he's front and center, the face of the 1870 society, as much as the head coach can be. And you know, I'll say I'll go back. I'll defend Ryan Day because I am a homer. Um, after COVID, can you can you legitimately like be yes. like, yeah, I'm yes. firing all the <laughs> absolutely. Maybe okay, maybe not, maybe funny? not carry, but you could have absolutely fired Al. You absolutely yeah. could have fired Al. He's he's like three years late on firing Parker Washington. I think the like, hardest part about it for Ryan Day in that situation was everything was so dysfunctional just in general because of COVID and like how everything was handled. Like you can't get a true measurement, but Al had been there a little bit. And once Greg Madison left, the linebackers definitely took a step back. Um, so his grade was in before COVID yeah. happened. And Carrie, that's what I mean. Say, same with you. Because, yeah, and Gre- uh, Gregory, um, I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, he, uh, those two I agree with. Harry, as a defensive coordinator in his first year having to do it with COVID, that is a tough fire. Yeah, I, 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 with him. So that's a tough fire. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing that. Um, he did make the decision, and I think Ohio State's much better off because of it. Um, but yeah, like that's that's the hard thing. So is a so is a year too late. The transfer easy. easy as Ohio State fans to assume we're going to get every player right. You you see a player enter the transfer portal, that doesn't mean Ohio State's interested. If you're interested in a player, it doesn't. And that's where I thought about it in the January and December window. I'm like, you know, Ohio State didn't go after many offensive linemen then. And I think it's because they're like, well, we don't really fully know what these guys are going to be. Like Josh played well. Josh Fryer played well in his additional role as the Bison guy. Um, you know, Zen Mahalski played well in garbage time. Like, you know, those are the things you evaluate up until that point. So you see those offensive linemen leaving at the end of the season last year. That technically means they're probably not competing for jobs. They're probably not leaving because they're playing. Spring comes around. There was a couple offensive linemen that I think were better than any of the offensive linemen that entered the portal in December. And what did they do? They went and got Josh Simmons. And so I, that's, I, it's really hard to evaluate the transfers because I just don't know who they're going after when they know it's a need. Because after the spring game, we both knew it was a need. Everyone knew it was a need. So I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm also going to defend Ryan Day in, in a part, right? So two years ago, last year, technically, people wanted them to hit the transfer portal for offensive linemen. And I think they tried, but nobody wanted to come to Ohio State. Like, I remember the guy from FAU or Florida somewhere who had uh, three years left. Florida International, like, why did they get this guy? Because he's not going to start because you have Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. He's not going to come and sit yeah. for a year. So last year, I fully understand why. I didn't do it. I I understand what you're saying of where you want to evaluate those guys, but I disagree in that you still should have brought uh, you still should have brought 
competition in for the spring so you could have evaluated more getting josh simmons is great like i no issue with that at all they needed to do it cool josh simmons wasn't in the portal but there were some offensive linemen i think there was one of the texas a&m guys who wasn't a part of the smoking weed thing there was a couple other guys i still think you bring in one or two that's not victor cutler you bring in a tackle because at the end of the day all you like even if it's just for depth there are four tackles on the roster who are unplayable so i get still wanting the top and but like I, i do think you still need to bring in that competition so you can evaluate them in the 15 practices including the spring game but I so I, I get where you're coming from. I still wish they would have hit the portal then. Um, but I, I just think about last year, the offensive line was a wrap. You're not getting in a really good guy to come yeah, in and sit behind no two starters. But think you were going to get one got the year not, prior either. Yeah, not Elias, but think about if they would have got a corner. And think about if they would have got a defensive end because John, I'm sorry, Javante John Baptiste and those guys should Tyler Friday, they should not have been playing. If they had a little yeah. more depth at DN and they had a corner, not even the safeties, I'm fine with the safeties. They had a little bit more depth at DN and they had a corner. Do we, you have a little bit more depth, especially to help with the injuries. I know you can't relitigate the past, but I think like that is what I mean by a year too late. Cause just those two positions would have been a major upgrade and we could have potentially just had beat more Georgia. players. Yeah. Could have a, a potentially beat Michigan because you weren't down to your third corner who was because you knew that every corner except Cameron Brown, who was iffy his whole career, was gonna be freaking eighteen and a freshman. Like they should have yeah, gotten a solid not, they should have gotten you, Davidson have last be, year. Like an elite player. Like, oh, no, you don't want to say not an elite. You just needed to have a Tanner McAllister, but at corner. Yeah. Like, you know, get, or get a, get, a, get a Davidson, a guy that's a year older than what you have, but he still has two or three years. You can't rely on Cam Brown, who was mid and always injured. And then a young Denzel Burke, and sure, no one expected him to go to take a step back like he did, but they could have found a starter in the portal to go yeah. over Cameron Brown. He was never that good in his career, and he's missed multiple games every year. So that's I just mean they're already a year late. It's just it's unfortunate they're a year late. The new coaching staff as well that there wasn't a few more transfers brought in just to kind of fit the scheme a little better, but. Because like we said, they played so much off man, so much zone that they never were really playing press. So there's a lot of teams across the country that play a lot of press man. So even just bringing in someone who's confident in those situations, it doesn't necessarily mean he's better than Denzel Burke or Cam Brown even. But someone who's comfortable in that technique. So if things aren't going well, you just have a guy you know could come in and play that way. And even if he's your third guy, somewhere where – this. I promise you this is no shade to Jordan Hancock or anything. He was a freshman. Someone where your third corner is not Jordan Hancock or Jair Brown. Yeah, like and if that, they like end that up helps. earning it and being better than that guy, well, then yeah, you brought in more depth, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. But so. I, it, the only thing that was weak about it was Ryan Day sounding like he was scared to bring in competition. And I think we saw the uh, fruits of that with – the corner position specifically. Um, it was not pretty at the end. Um, but yeah, overall, I don't think, um, I think they did. A, I think let's, let's end it with a grade. How, how do you feel Ohio state did in the transfer portal this year? Um, and how do you feel? All right. A grade for how well they did, honestly, just straight up a to B 
or A to not A to B, A to F. And I'll give you mine after yours. So I'm going to give him a B because I think Victor Cutler was a waste. But I love the Davis and Egbenosin pick. And I I like the Josh Simmons pick. But as I already said, I think that they should have been a year. I think they should have gotten at least a more viable offensive lineman to come in for spring practice. So that lowers it from maybe like the A- minus range. I think Davis and Egbenosin and um, – and Josh Simmons like puts them on the A, but then not getting another like viable offensive lineman in the Victor Cutler thing. It's kind of um, whatever. Uh, they do have. I'm gonna give them a B plus because they also did get the safety Jihad Carter, who my guy Cameron Martinez might start over, but that's not anything negative with Jihad Carter. So yeah, I'll give them a B plus. I think they did some good things, but they also still made some mistakes and. I just it's hard with the offensive line being such a worry. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to give them the full A when they didn't bring any real competition in because I we even talked about it. Victor Cutler is not used to playing at this level, so we can't guarantee and he never played inside. He played tackle. We couldn't guarantee that he was gonna be what he is, and he's not that. So doesn't mean he won't be. You still have the full summer. Like I'm not writing him off, but you're asking for a grade right now, it's got to be a B, B plus max. Yeah, I, I, I could agree. I think I was going to say a B, and then in my head I thought through the whole transfer portal. And I, I'm going to add this to it. So I'm going to give them an A minus because of this. Um, all the players they brought in, and, you know, we're on the fence about Cutler and his upside and how much he could impact the team, but I think the other three guys will have an impact on the team in some way potentially even this season. Um, But I look at all the players they lost to the portal as well. And were there any starters or any players that are going to be dearly missed? And I think, no, you look at some of the teams across the country, there were legitimate starters and major contributors entering the portal. So I think that shows that there is a sense of security and they went out and got players. They weren't scared to do it. And I think when you take the losses and the gains, I, I don't think you lost anyone that's going to be missed. And I think you added some guys who are going to add value. So oh, I'm going to yeah. go with an A minus. That's, that's fair. Uh, I've, and a lot of these things, I'm a little bit tougher or greater than you have, I've realized. But I will say um, one good thing about Ohio State, and I say this all the time, we never lose very important pieces in the transfer portal. And this, I'm not trying to crap on the players. Most of the people who transfer from here don't do good anywhere else. I think the wide receivers are because I think they're studs in their own right. We just recruited better than them, just like Jamison did, who was a stud. He just couldn't get on the roster. But when we lose linebackers, when we lose corners, when we lose defensive linemen, when we lose offensive linemen, it's never guys who were actually really good. It's sometimes recruiting misses or they didn't develop or we recruited better than them. And that trend has continued where there's no one that has transferred where you're like, dang, we really needed him. There's going to be someone who attached to Caleb Burton, who is like Ohio State sucks, fire Ryan Day because Caleb Burton isn't there. But it's like, I'm sorry. We have Carno Tate. <laughs> like, we got Brandon Ennis. Yeah. Like, it, it's cool, bro. Like, I wish him all the best. I don't know why he went to Iowa, whichever the Caleb went to Iowa, but I wish him all the best. Brown, Iowa, Burton, Auburn. Okay. Um. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that is a key thing. Like, even when you look across the country, like, I was excited to see Craig Young playing well at Kansas. I was excited to see Ryan Watts starting 
for uh, Texas. And then Lejon Cavazos, a guy a lot of fans were high on, and this is no ill will. I mean, because North Carolina's defense is just bad. I don't think it was his fault. But hey, there was a few tough watches where I'm just like, oh, man, I just feel bad that that's where Lejon ended up. Like, he should have gone down to the G5. Well, he should have went to Cincinnati or something. Kent uh, State. Going, I say it all the time. Stay in Ohio. Go to Kent. Bring us yeah, a Mac so championship. Whoever I can never remember who their defensive coordinator was at UNC, but he should be unemployed. Uh, uh, Gene Gene Chizik. Yeah, there was a reason he was unemployed for so long. <laughs> yeah, um, you're welcome for Cam, Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Oh, that guy owes Cam Newton so much money. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a great football coach. I, I recruited this guy who went to Florida who played for Urban Meyer and then stole a computer, so he ended up having to go to junior college. And I did this. I built this program, ground up. <laughs> Scam artist, elected to a generational player. Yeah. Failing upwards, the... That if I ever write a college football book, it's going to be called Failing Upwards, and it's going to be about coaches who did not deserve the jobs they got. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you could write like two or three of them. You could have a a Game of Thrones style uh, uh, series, a Harry Potter series. How many Harry Potter books is there? Like six, seven, seven. Yeah, and they have the Cursed Child, and they have some like spinoff books as well. So, and yeah. a new video. They have the video game now. They've got a ton of media. Yeah, you could you could have a Harry Potter type franchise of books called Failing Upwards. Yeah, we could have the book. We could have we could have it for each conference. We could have it. We could have documentaries about it. Yeah, there there's a there's some world building that can be done there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Overall, uh, yeah. Speaking of transfers, I don't know how Cam Newton ended up in the conversation. Oh yeah, Lejon. That that's 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 how we work. Lejon Cavazos brought us to Cam Newton. This is why you. This is why you're here, right? This this is why you listen to this show faithfully. It's not because we always stay on track. It's because we we give you good things, and you have to pause and, and rewind a little bit to figure out how we got there. If someone, you zoned out, you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Let me. Someone was at work today, and they heard me talking about Cam Newton and Gene Chizik, and they're like, wait, what? Did they? Did I switch shows? Did <laughs> is this a new episode? Is this the ringer? <laughs> like, is this that? <laughs> is, uh, that's funny. But yeah, we've we've got some more stuff for the day. We're going to go through some of the uh, a few of the topics Jordan missed. Whatever comes to us, then we'll get there. We should have honestly posted on Twitter. What do you want to hear from Jordan today? But I just forget sometimes to post these things, and I come up with them over in the show. That's like a horrible time to come up with show ideas. <laughs> but. It's Unreasonable Expectations Week at Land Grant Holy Land, so we're going to go through some of the, of the best hits of the week, uh, the stuff Jordan missed, and then we're going to have a final thought on the best roster in the country. Um, you guys already know what I'm alluding to. <laughs> uh, we'll and see you guys. Know, we're going to tell you. Yeah, and we're going to tell you. And we'll see you guys after the break to do that. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing another episode of the Buck Off Podcast. And I'm back, joined with Jordan Williams. Um, this isn't to lose, but I feel like we're having just as much fun um, talking about football, talking about transfers. Hopefully, you guys, uh, I, I want to hear your grades. If you guys have grades on Ohio State transfers and how they did in the portal this year, on whatever scale you want to do it, 1 to 10, A to B, uh, 
least to most whatever you know Qualtrics survey if you want to put one out do it um, but just tell us how you did at Chris Rennie CFP at Buck Off Pod at Jordan W330 whoever you want to discuss it with um, we're all here on Twitter so it's unreasonable expectation times um, we've got my most recent one um, and my other one, we got Ohio State fans being reasonable. We got that linebacker in the country. Um, I saw you write that one, and I'll be honest, I didn't read it because, to me, and not to not to be a hater on the show, it's not an unreasonable expectation. <laughs> All right, so okay, you should have read it only because I explained why it's a little bit unreasonable, and it's unreasonable because if he does it, he it puts him in the same like realm as James Laurinaitis and A.J. Hawk and Draquan McMillan, who's severely underrated, and Ryan Chazier, and saying that Tommy is going to be in that realm is unreasonable, but if Wait. he completes it, he's going to be. You're not, you're not in that realm? I, I thought we were already there. I mean, okay, but like it's not about me. <laughs> like I've been, I've been, I've been doing the time we trade forever. Like I'm off the tracks. I'm like in outer space with it. It's for regular people. <laughs> um, also from from the Slack channel, Setson Bennett, seven years of college, zero degrees. <laughs> what he didn't graduate? <laughs> how, how many years have you been in school, and how many degrees do you have? Like seven, and I have three. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, back to Tommy. We can make fun of sets of Bennett, but we need to we need to we need to collect ourselves. We need to stay on one topic for a minute. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I just thought it was funny. I, I just I know we we both hype up Tommy, and also, you know, I think at the beginning it was a joke. And I think I've made it so far into it that it is who I am now. Yeah, no, it's a part of me. Like, the, it, it's and here's it's the not thing, even like, to the level of like you know I, we joked about Josh Proctor. Like, no, that is actually us. Like, if yeah. we are not here, if Tommy has zero people in his corner, it's we are no longer on this on planet. This earth. Yeah, like on earth. I, I, like I said last year, and I'll say again, Tommy might as well invite me to Thanksgiving. I'm family. <laughs> like, when he yeah. goes to the draft, put me in the draft room like i'm there like i like if tommy needs pr good pr it it, it, it will come from this podcast 100 yeah. percent guaranteed like i know i I think in all of ohio state's feeds 11 warriors cleveland.com doesn't matter we're the first people to start defending tommy literally listen i know he's from ohio but if like last year what happens on christmas where like i was supposed to go home for christmas eve and i couldn't because of a snowstorm tommy can come to my house for christmas like i couldn't make the two hour drive to canton he probably couldn't make the two and a half drive hour to somewhere around akron where he's from he can come to my house for christmas like he he is a family member like he's an like whenever i have kids it's uncle tommy like just just put him in there so yeah. it's not necessarily <laughs> it's like yeah. you know like no 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 so Jeez. it's not necessarily un- with yeah it's not necessarily unreasonable for me and you but like it's kind of unreasonable just in the like he, what he is doing, what he's going to do is unreasonable. Anyone in college having back-to-back 100-yard seasons, winning awards, been Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, the uh, Butkus Award, like, that's an unreasonable feat. Like, you can't expect people to do it. I do because I'm a sicko, and I wanted an excuse to write about Tommy. But, like, technically, to non-people on the Tommy train, 
it's a little bit unreasonable. That's fine. Yeah. But I fully expect it to happen. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, we're going to say it happened anyways. Yeah, because, like, who's going to stop me? Yeah, no one. No one. Tommy might, might be... Apple podcast review about yeah. it. Yeah, like, like, this is, like, no funny. Tommy might be the first Ohio State defensive player in a very long time that I buy an NFL jersey, no matter what team he goes to. And it's only because I refuse to buy a Washington jersey for Chase Young. I just can't support that franchise. Like, maybe yeah. now well, that they sold it... Yeah, maybe now that they sold it because I really wanted it, but I couldn't support but, who they had before. But like, I, I don't still have don't a Jeff Okuda jersey. Them. Yeah, it's it's, it's so because Tommy they didn't pick up his fifth year, so I'm yeah, not like what are we doing? Honestly, honestly, listen, I know we're gonna, I know we're starting to spiral, but hear me out. I was listening to the Athletic Football Show, and they mentioned they said, "Hey, should the Bears trade for Chase Young because he's a young player, and the football team probably can't afford to pay for him because they just paid Jonathan Allen and somebody else. I think that's his name, Jonathan. Terry. They just paid someone else, and I was like, "Hey, the Bears do need pass rush." If Chase Young goes to the Bears, I, I'm not even a Colts fan no more. They got Chase Young and Justin Fields, two of the greatest Ohio, two of the greatest Buckeyes of my era of my life. They, like, it'd be over. So they literally defined my college experience. I'm sorry, Cleveland. Uh, so that is, I, mean, I doubt it's going to happen. Maybe. But they did put it out there. They probably can't. They declined his fifth year option. They probably can't afford to pay him anyway. Bears, pick up the phone. You need pass rush. You have no one notable. <laughs> the only person that I know on your team in pass rush is Dominic Robinson, and the only reason I know him is because he's from Canton. Yeah, nay. There's any reason to know someone. Yeah, three three zero. Being Northeast Ohio. Yeah, that's that's the reason. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know how we got to any of this, but Tommy Train, it's gonna happen. But I, I felt I needed a reason to write for him, uh, write about him, and I also needed you know, to relitigate the fact that he was better than Jack Campbell last year, which is literally the first half of the article. I literally write about him being better than Jack Campbell just to get it off my chest. That's so, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is something we talked about in detail, almost on a week weekly basis yeah i'm not over it i'm sorry (laughs) i mean i tweeted uh the blind player comparison multiple times yeah yeah who's better who's better (laughs) i literally Uh, i literally put in the article i don't know if jack campbell is a first round player but that's not what this article is about because i can't believe the lions drafted him in the first round yeah yeah that, that did happen i forgot about that that's how much i just repressed that from happening i don't think the world Needs the Lions making decisions. Uh-oh. I mean, Jack Campbell definitely bites kneecaps, so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah he, he fits. Uh, he very much uh, fits. But yeah, I'm. I mean, Tommy Train. That's that's my blood. The only thing I I, I, I mean, and I don't want I don't want people to take this this way. But from a defensive player standpoint, I don't think I've been as excited for a returning defensive player since Chase Young. And that's not saying Tommy Eichenberg is. I don't want anyone to go and tweet like, oh, this idiot thinks Tommy Eichenberg's Chase Young. That's exactly what they're going to say. That's exactly what they're going to say. (laughs) I just am so excited that we have Tommy Eichenberg back. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you got to think, after Chase Young left, who was there really to be excited about? Nobody. He's the first defensive player to be excited about, like to be really genuinely excited about and to just feel like it it, it, just – 
again, not to Chase Young's level. Chase Young was the number two pick in the draft. But it doesn't feel like Tommy has the ability to fall off. Yeah. He's like he crazy. just he's continued to get better and better. And yeah, the things that he's done great. are repeatable. It's just like you know he's going to have a hundred tackles again. You know it. It's it's just going to happen. Yeah, he's got the physical ability and he's got the football intelligence. Um, holy crap, I love Tommy Eckenberg. But, yeah, I mean, look at the last five years. You can't sit here. And to be honest, it's a little different because Tommy could have left. Um, I'm not saying he should have left, but he could have. And that also makes it a little bit more exciting. Like, Chase Young didn't have a choice. Mm. Um, JT, Jack, didn't have a choice. Nope. Nobody else had but, a choice. But Tommy so, chose us, just like he can choose to come to Thanksgiving next year. Dude, I bet you Tommy... Like searches his name on on Twitter and he found our podcast and he listens to it every time. He he's got the the Google search engine set up so like if anything says his name and like that Google pod crawler is like yeah these guys say your name all the time. Listen, so all, I, all I know is someone even if he doesn't someone in his circle does and someone sent him my article I know they did and you want to know how I know this and people are going to be like oh my god Jordan's so cocky he really thinks people read it no I know they do because Corey Dennis messaged me on Twitter after I wrote the article about him saying he does work we like, literally just he literally <laughs> just said we, we talked about it like hey Corey Dennis does the job like he does a good job at what he does and he wrote an article about it then he said thank you like I know someone said that to Tommy he read it Dude, he knows what it is continuing on this off topic because I don't think we've done the show since the coaches clinic I think our last show together was the day before it um Corey Dennis man that dude knows football yeah I mean, listen. He he is, and he knows quarterbacks. They're always going to give the credit to Ryan Day, but that man, like he 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 knows what he's doing, man. Like so, and this is how I know it breaks down this way because this is how it breaks down. My head coach in junior college was the quarterbacks coach, and he spent a lot of time with the starting quarterback. He spent significant time watching extra film with the starting quarterback, doing all the extra work with the extra quarterback. Um, the quarter, like, Corey Dennis as a quarterback's coach, he's been the guy working with McCord. He's been the guy with working with Devin Brown. He's been the guy working with the backup quarterbacks these last few years. He's the guy who's working with Jack Miller. All the guys who aren't the starters, Corey Dennis is the guy developing them behind the scenes. He's the one working on the mechanics. He's the one going through that little film. Because he's the guy making the sure they don't transfer. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And the guy, the starting quarterback, that means they trust him. That means his fundamentals are good. Obviously, they're still going to break it down. They're still going to look at that stuff in film. But there's so much more that goes into game planning. These guys who aren't starting are trying to learn, trying to get better, trying to get to that starter level. That's Corey Dennis' job. Ryan Day, when he was the play caller, is going to be sitting with C.J. Stroud discussing the game plan, discussing the plan of attack. And all that information is going to go to all the other quarterbacks, but it's just extra. Yeah. And that's that's really how – and I'm not sure – I'm not going to say that's exactly how it goes down. No, it's exactly how it goes down. My experience, that's we, exactly how it goes down. We know for a fact is how it goes down. You may not remember this, but for some reason I do. Ryan Day literally said during COVID he used to meet with Justin Fields alone so Justin Fields could not contract COVID from the rest of the team. 
And I understand COVID was a little bit of a special circumstance, but he may have met with Justin Fields more because of COVID, but you don't just start doing that because of COVID. That's already your your routine. And you're just like, hey, let's separate you a little bit more because there's a pandemic going on. Justin Fields rarely met with the rest of the team that season because it's like if if every quarterback gets it, you're not going to get it because it's just me and you in this meeting room. So we have proof that that – but like yeah. otherwise, but like if I don't get it, you don't get it. Everybody else gets it. You're still going to be able to play because I'm Ryan keeping you away exactly. from the team. Ryan didn't knew exactly what he was doing too. So if he got it, that means so it, it's in the program because he yeah. was not doing anything socially. Yeah. So I mean, you're 100 percent right. I was right when I wrote the article. Like Corey Dennis is a good coach. I'm surprised. Expectations. Like, Ohio State fans appreciate the coaches on the staff. That might not get the glory. Never gonna do that. <laughs> Never gonna do that. No. But I yeah. I'm gonna that there was one guy at the I'm not gonna name his name, but you know who I'm talking about. He his his chalk talk was not him doing the chalk talk, and he <laughs> has one job on the staff. Mm. It was another it was a high school coach doing the chalk talk about punt team. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. So it seems like he was picking up pointers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I'll just say this. I'll just say this. Tommy or Tommy's people that's listening to this, just know. We got your back. We know what it is. I may become what I may become a member of Football Writers Association this season just so I can vote for Tommy. And yeah. Like ECH yeah. hit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we are his publicity. We are. If we are no longer here, Tommy will still have plenty of people in this corner. But if he doesn't and we're not here, that means Tommy. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to live in that world. Oh, I wouldn't be alive in that world. What am I saying? All right. Other unreasonable expectations. I wrote a story yesterday, or actually it's coming out tomorrow. Same time as the show, actually. Ohio State's going to have two Heisman finalists. I I wrote, I I ended it with, actually, this is an unreasonable expectation. This is my exact specific expectation for this year. If Ohio State meets our goals, they beat Michigan, they win the Big Ten Championship. And they win a national championship, or even they don't win a national championship. But if they do the first two, Cal McCord, Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. only gets to New York if the starting quarterback at Ohio State is really good. And that gets in there. It's Mac Jones, Devontae Smith. Yeah. I don't feel like it's unreasonable anymore after I talked to it. After I wrote the whole article, I got to the end. I'm like, yeah, because yeah, it's just like it's it's hard. Like the quarterback thing can almost never be unreasonable because we've never seen a bad quarterback under Ryan Day. We even had the best year as a passer of JT Barrett under Ryan Day and JT Barrett's last year. So it's like every Ohio State quarterback has been a Heisman finalist. It's fair to and, – and for people, who's like, oh, he was bad at the spring game. Justin Fields was terrible at the spring game. So it's like, okay, the quarterback should probably almost be a Heisman finalist. And then it's freaking Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, who, he's the best player in the country. The best player. Not best wide receiver. He is the best player. He's better than Caleb Williams. I don't care what anyone has to say. He does his job better than Caleb Williams, better than Drake May, better than whoever else is in the country. That, that, I, that Whatever. He's the best player in the country. Yeah. Point blank. We've seen players. Like Caleb Williams, Drake Bay before. Uh, yeah. Martin Harrison Jr. 
at this point feels like a once in a generation type of receiver. It's, I mean, he's Calvin Johnson. Calvin yeah. Johnson was so good of a wide receiver. He went like number two overall in a offense that didn't pass the ball. His college stats are terrible because Georgia Tech ran the option and they didn't throw the ball that much. But they looked at this guy and said, this guy's different. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer as a wide receiver yeah. and they drafted him. Marvin Harrison Jr. Sure. is that except in an actual passing offense. I'm pretty sure his mom made him go to Georgia Tech, if I remember right. Yeah, I don't. I still don't know why he went there. It probably had to do something with his mom. Yeah, he had 76 receiving yards, 1200 or 76 receptions, 1200 yards, and 15 touchdowns his junior year before he left in a triple option offense. So that's disgusting. <laughs> What are we doing here? <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I honestly, like, I don't think, I mean, I didn't get a chance to read your article, but I don't think you went far enough. If you didn't say that Marvin Harrison Jr. is winning the Heisman, you didn't go far enough. No, I said that. Okay, perfect. Because he's winning. That's probably what I said the loudest. I think it really honestly just became a Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to win the Heisman article. As it should have been. Um, yeah, all right, let's keep going. Let's keep these unreasonable expectations up. I love unreasonable stuff, but they're not unreasonable. I like this one. Thomas Costello, our women's basketball guy, Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten regular season and tournament titles. Uh, they've got their best player back. Um, they've got their second best player back, and then they do have to replace Taylor Mike Sill, but they're going to win it all. National championship incoming. Let's go. Uh, moving down. You got anything on that? I'm sorry. I, I love the Buckeyes, but it's LSU again. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is, uh, but, but it'll be Buckeyes versus LSU. How about that? I'll go that far. Hey, as long as there's a shot. Yeah, I, I agree that there's a shot. It's just, it's just hard not to pick LSU because they have their two stars in, in Flage Johnson and Andrew Reese, and then they picked up Haley, Haley Van Liff. This is yeah. unfair. That's just unfair. Yeah, and and, and she wasn't their only transfer. Like, I'm sorry. It's, one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah, yeah. Is she the Urban Meyer of women's basketball? Because she has some scandals, too. She wins yeah. everywhere she goes. You know, I, 100%. I can see that one. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, I agree. I, I don't think there's a more apt comparison. <laughs> That's crazy. That was off the dome, but yeah, I definitely see it. Uh, all right, let's keep it going. Uh, Bruce Thornton will be first team all Big Ten this season. I think so. I think he's going to average 15 per. I like him. I think he was our most consistent player last year. Basketball. I, I, I I'm so this before you go. I'm going into this basketball season with no expectations, and I'm just gonna have fun. So don't take this away from me on the internet. I have no comment. I'm just gonna say if you believe it, I believe it because I trust you. I don't consume Ohio State men's basketball. I refuse. Aside from the fact that literally, and I I know people think when I'm saying this, I'm joking. I promise you I'm not. It has been like three years, maybe four, because when I first noticed it, I was in West Virginia in grad school, and I graduated from West Virginia in 2019. So it's going on four years that I have never watched Ohio State basketball win a game. 
I literally, I've, I've, there was a game in 2019 in West Virginia. Maybe it was, I think it may have been a, against West Virginia, actually, where Ohio State was up like 10 or 12. And I turn on the game and they lose. So That's I don't consume Ohio State men's basketball. I don't. I watched three. I remember I watched three back-to-back games that year. And someone who's really, really consumes this, like someone on Bucketheads would probably know what stress I'm talking about. I watched like three back-to-back games that year where they had a lead and they lost it in the last minute. And I vowed. I took oh, a vow that I... Like I games like that. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, but it was You're like wrong. three... It was three back-to-back. And like, yeah, I refuse. I won't do it. I won't consume it. So if you believe it, I believe it. And I'm not going to watch in hopes that they win the national championship because the moment I turn on the game, they're losing. I, I can't I can't argue with that. Um, all right. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? I'm looking at all the I'm looking at the whole section right now. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, unreasonable expectation. Ohio State fans need to be more level headed online. I would like that. Not going to happen. So I'm not going to. It is an incredible. It, unreasonable might be too light of a word on that one. We are the best and the worst at the same time. It's it, <laughs> it is it is accident it is a hundred percent unreasonable for to expect this fan base to be reasonable. Now the reasonable ones are some of the best people you will ever meet. I appreciate y'all for listening to the podcast. I appreciate the ones of you who like follow us and 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 you know interact with us on social media and like y'all are great. But like as a whole, this fan base is toxic. It just it just is. So yeah. Definitely, and, and we're, we're part of it, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely toxic, so <laughs> I'm not as bad as some, but I'm 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 worse than most. I feel like I've grown up a lot. <laughs> um, I still have my moments. I'm usually more toxic to other teams. Yeah, I think the thing for me is I know how to cut it off. Like, like when yeah. uh, what happened that caused a whole like bunch of people. You could hop on this. Sh- you could be tweeted. You could be tweeting out your your initial feelings and your initial reactions and get on the show, and then you take down a couple levels. Yeah, I just, I just need like, I just need to get like get it out there. If you watch, if you follow my Twitter and only my Twitter, I seem unhinged. But like, Twitter is literally just the first thing that comes to my mind. And then like, uh, oh, like if you watch my tweets when we lost the running back to Michigan and I knew that there was a chance that we were going to get a better one. But just the fact that it happened, I was on the hinge for a full 20 minutes. And then I was like, OK, I'm over this. I don't care anymore. We're going to go get the better okay, running back. And we did. <laughs> it's just yeah, like <laughs> sometimes like I feel like we both use Twitter, like, you know, and like people say, just go stream and do a pillow. Sometimes so that's what we do. Yeah. Just be on Twitter. Other people can read it, <laughs> which is not always uh, great, but, you uh, know. Uh, me, I'm just vitriolistic towards Notre Dame, towards Michigan fans, towards any fan base. Now, I'm pretty respectful of Georgia fans unless they come at me, and then I'm just like, no, not happening. I don't have this. Uh, our mascot would kill your dog any day of the week, so relax. Um yeah, no, but Notre Dame, I, I think that's where I'm most unreasonable. I, I hate those people. I hate them more than anybody on the planet. I hate Notre Dame. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I was actually telling the Notre Dame story today at uh, one of my friend's house because I was talking about how someone called me racist for talking about the things that actually happen in college sports. And uh, and then I was like, it's just funny the things that fans get mad at. And I, um, I was telling how someone got mad at you for talking about the Crusades. Like you got, oh, yeah. you got mad because we mentioned history. 
like, like, were a real thing. <laughs> like, like, like that, like that's in the history books. Like that's in like, kind of freaking John Smith Baptist type <laughs> Christianity. Are you following? Like it's been that was proven. Like Five hundred years old. Like, long. Like, they were a long crusade. Literally. So I, there's a whole internet meme base for crusaders <laughs> on those shields. They're yeah. giant red crosses. Yeah. So I uh, I just thought it's I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just talking about that like right before I go on the podcast. So yeah. Um, Someone called me racist for making jokes about a white tight end at Jackson State, who I also said a lot of really positive things about. It was just funny, unfortunately, that he was the one that dropped the pass. And then I I got called racist for saying that as a head football coach at a school in the South, you probably shouldn't be openly uh, openly campaigning with Trump when like that, like you, you don't, you, you shouldn't be political as a head football coach when your entire roster is black. I'm sorry if that makes me racist. I just don't think you should do it. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, people are gonna people. So yeah. So um, any more unreasonable expectations? Um, which Ohio State recruit had the most unreasonable hype? Um, I see the answer on it. There was Quinn Ewers and Terrell Pryor. Um, I'd say Quinn's a safe bet. Like, I, I just think people looked at the thousand recruiting ranking, looked at a kid from Texas who's pretty tall, and thought, yeah, this dude's gonna come in and beat out two high, a high four star quarterback and a five star quarterback who've been in the program for two years. You know, on paper, how unreasonable that sounds. Very for people to say that, like in your mind, that should sound unreasonable. And there were people who were saying that with like real chest behind it. Like it is, I just can't even imagine. Yeah, I, I honestly I don't know. My my last unreasonable expectation, and I'm actually going to try to write this article tomorrow. So today, when you hear this podcast, is Ohio, I think Ohio State's going to break the draft record. The tie, the the number is six. So they need seven to beat it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do the unreasonable expectation that they have seven, and all they have to do to get to seven is to have the five people who are almost sure bets. So that's um, so uh, Marvin, they, Mike Hall, Marvin, Mike Hall, Donovan Jackson, um, Emeka Ibuka. Uh, that's four, and all four of those are in Dan Brugler's mock draft. So you just need three more. Denzel can easily do it. Um, Travion Henderson Kyle. could do it. Travion. We um, and then oh, we didn't mention JT or Jack. Yeah, and then you well, also like nine guys. Yeah, and then you also have the potential. And I'm so, listen. Forgive me. But if Jack Campbell can go first round, someone can be stupid enough to pick Tommy Eichenberg first round. That's another potential. Um, I'm just going to say it. An NFL franchise is lucky I'm not the GM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you, you got that potential. Um, you have um, you have Kyle. Oh, you already said Kyle, but I don't know if I counted them in my little hands things that nobody can yeah. see. You have Kyle as a potential. Um, it's not going to happen, but if Julian Fleming has an amazing year, which we talked about last year, like he could potentially go. Guys, yeah, potentially. and they're, they're obviously all not going to go, but you only need seven. And yeah, I mean, 
that's the worst part is like they're gonna have six or seven draft picks in the first round they yeah. are and so it doesn't matter how the season's gonna go as long as those players put up good individual stats yep and they're you know, almost so yeah that's my last unreasonable expectation i'm gonna go ahead and get that article out um hopefully today yeah. as you listen to it but either but definitely on saturday so no no post trial drop off at quarterback i i think statistically there might not be but in playmaking and management there could be yeah. And then my first unreasonable expectation of the week was Ohio State has the best defense line and most dominant in the country is what I said. Um, I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. I think that's unreasonable. Like my Tommy one is it unreasonable. Like it should happen. But will the rest of the country see it as the most dominant line? We won't know unless we win an extra championship. But JT, Jack, Mike, Tylee, that alone, should, that's that's... I'm too excited. Yeah. Too excited. Um, all right. Uh, we'll get into the two things Jordan missed last week. We had our biggest concern show, but NFL draft. Yeah. Colts fan still, potentially, or are we moving on? So I'm a Colts fan because they didn't have a choice but to draft Anthony Richardson. And my whole thing was people were saying that Stroud was going to fall. And then people were also saying that people, the Colts were going to draft Richardson with Stroud still on the board. I'm fine with them drafting Richardson. I like his height, his upside. A lot of people who I trust, which I don't trust a lot of people, but some of the people who I trust on their NFL take say he has a lot of NFL traits and the things that he has issues with, um, he can fix. They say that his accuracy is not that bad. Some of his accuracy percentage was because he had one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the country. And it wasn't so much that he was missing. It's that he was dealing with a lot of drops and things like that. So I'm fine with it. I'm still leaning more towards the Bears. I like what the Bears did. At this point, it might be like 50-50, 55-45, me with the Colts and the Bears. especially both in different divisions. Right, which which is very helpful. Or conferences. Yeah, which is helpful. But I'm still a Colts fan because – I mean, they didn't, and my, they didn't screw it up. Um, the Bears and the Colts and a lot of analysts had a top five draft both, so a lot of people are pretty happy with what they did. Uh, but ultimately, the thing that was going to stop me from doing it is either one, they don't draft a quarterback, or two, they draft a they quarterback draft. before Stroud. But they didn't have that option, so I think Bryce was off the board, Stroud was off the board, Anthony Richardson was the best bet. So I can't be mad at them for picking the guy that was there. So yeah, I'm I'm still there. I'm I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread, man. I'm hanging on by a thread. It sounds like Jim Mercy really wanted uh, uh, Will Levis. Um, I was just like I knew if if you if they if they took Will Levis, I would have had to text you. I would have had to check in on you. Once they took Anthony Richardson, I'm like, all right, that's cool. Like that was no, like he's not the. the- it was like the third day of my honeymoon. If they took Will Levis, it would have been ruined. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, that would have been rough. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd have been done for. I'd have been crying in a pool. I literally, like, literally, I posted in our group. The only thing that's keeping me sane is my view right now. It's the fact that I'm not yeah. at home. I'm in Mexico with a nice pool. Because if I was at home and they messed up this draft. It'd be like it would be reason like eleven. It wouldn't be quite thirteen, but it'd be eleven. I'm getting close. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I, I was, I, I looked. I, I wanted 
CJ Stroud did not go to the the Panthers. I don't think they're going to be very good. I That's don't. I, I I wanted CJ Stroud to. I wanted him to fall. I am excited that the Texans took the draft really seriously. They got Stroud. They got a bunch of picks, and they still ended up with Will Anderson as well. But it's not exciting seeing Robert Woods as the best receiver. No, Noah Brown, former Buckeye. Very cool that he's had a long career, given the fact he definitely left a year early. But, yeah, it doesn't make you really excited. And that's kind of where I was kind of hoping he'd drop. I was hoping he'd go to, like, the Vikings, get a city year, have Justin Jefferson. That would have been sick. Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson together is disgusting. And I haven't wrapped my head around that yet. One of the best drafts moves because they're so good everywhere else. Like, their defense needs some work, but they should be able to put up, like, 38 points per game. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Um, and this, the, I, I want to be clear. I'm reiterating a point from a different podcast of people who follow the NFL more than me. This is what they said about the Texans. The wide receivers aren't spectacular, but they're all pros. They're pros, pros. They've all been in the league for five, six, seven, eight, nine years. So while they're not Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, like the stars, they're going to help Stroud's development because they're always going to be where they're supposed to be. They're not going to run their 10-yard route at nine. They're not going to run their 15-yard route at 17. And so that's going to help the rookie, whereas like younger wide receivers, they haven't figured out the nuances of the game. So I'm kind of with Stroud being so accurate, I'm kind of it's kind of acceptable his wide receiver core because I think they're going to help him get to the speed of the game. But ultimately they just need to be really bad and draft a wide receiver. That's not Marvin Harrison next year because Mar- the Colts also need to be really bad so we can get Marvin Harrison next year. But yeah, Marvin Harrison is good. no, no, no. He needs to go to the Colts. We have his legacy rights. <laughs> like, that's a Hall I of mean, Famer here. Like, the Colts need to do everything in their power. We could win the yeah, Super Bowl. You, you would not be happy if you like, ended up in the AFC South. You would not be happy. I honestly would probably shed a couple of tears. <laughs> like, it would be a beautiful yeah, I mean, story. You could get drafted to 30 other teams. You know, if he wasn't a Colt, he just could not be, or not 30, but like whatever, 29, 28 other teams, whatever the math is. Yeah. And you'd be fine. But if he ends up a Jaguar, um, a Texan, uh, who's the other team in the AFC South? The the Titan. uh, I just, the Titans do not deserve a receiver like. um, Well, well, here's the thing. I can tell you for 100% fact, he won't be a Texan because the Texans traded their first round pick to the Cardinals. But he he could be a Cardinal because if the Texans are bad, the Cardinals could have the first and second pick and they could draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. back to back. That's scary season, high key. That's immediate. That's an immediate contender. They're, if they draft Caleb Williams or Drake May, depending on which one they like better, um, one of those two. Uh, back I don't know back. which one I like better yet, honestly. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna get into it because we're gonna run long. I think that Caleb they're both a little a overrated. I think they're very much like you see the talent. I. I don't know, but. I I hate to say this because I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I think if I had to pick right right now and I was in the NFL, I would pick Drake May because I think he is just a better like I don't I, know. I'm Caleb. gonna be honest here. Hear me out. 
the don't get me wrong, Jalen Hurts played really good last year. Kyler Murray's had some really good years, right? Baker Mayfield pretty much flamed out. But overall, it feels like once the Lincoln Riley quarterbacks get to year two, year three, they kind of get a little figured out. Yeah, and I think the thing with Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts is just an insane worker. Worker. And he also had Shane Steichen, and people don't give enough credit to that because he was not Steichen good before. He had, yeah, which is, I mean, that's a crazy quarterback guru type um, locker room. Um, this is so people are going to call me stupid for this, and I don't care. I think this is very important. This is the same issue that I have with uh, the same issue that I had with Bryce. I don't think Caleb plays well in structure and Bryce absolutely doesn't play well in structure. And the thing that everyone forgets with Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes plays amazing in structure. If Patrick Mahomes was a Peyton Manning type passer, he would still be one of the best passers of all time. He's really good in the pocket. It's just he's also good outside of the pocket. Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, in my opinion, they're not great in the pocket. And at the NFL, you need to be able to play in structure. You need to be able to play in pocket. You need to be able to do one, two, three, get the ball out. And Bryce Young is very much a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, run around, run around, run around, touchdown. And I don't think that always works in the NFL. I think Caleb Williams has a chance to get better at that. But from what I saw of him, his first year in Oklahoma and his last year at USC, he's absolutely at his best when he's back pedaling and he's running around and that is not conducive for the NFL. That's how Andrew Luck got hurt and knocked out the NFL. Uh, Andrew Luck is bigger than all of these guys put together. So that is why I would pick Drake May because Drake May is better in structure even if he's not more talented than Caleb Williams. Because Caleb Williams is definitely, you know, obviously the more overall talented player. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I'd probably be on Drake May right now as well. And he's a I believe he's younger. Um, but yeah, no, I mean Caleb's good. I mean I don't think anyone in the on the planet could say he's not a good Oh, absolutely prospect. not. Like what are we talking about? Like as much as I'm as much as I, I like Kyle McCord, I would take Caleb any day. Especially because I think yeah. Brian Day would develop him better than um, you know, the other guy. But like Like don't get me wrong, like when are we going to start having the conversation that, you know, maybe Lincoln Riley's offense isn't the most translatable to the pros? I feel like we should have already had the off the conversation, just like they have with Baylor, where they're like the Baylor offense, their wide receivers will have 1,700 yards, like Jalen Hyatt ran a Baylor-style offense, but there's not a single wide receiver who went who came from the Baylor offense who was good in the league. Which uh, is Corey I, Coleman. I, and I would be very worried about Jalen Hyatt because of that. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's great at getting Heisman quarterbacks, but they're not great in the league. And Jalen Hurts again is great because he has a insane work ethic, and he and also has two quarterbacks. Quarterback. Well, I mean, yeah, that also helps. They they got freaking AJ Brown. Like, I mean, good for him though. Like he maximizes it. He's gonna make an incredible amount of money. Like, that's yeah. awesome. Great for him. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, they have A.J. Brown. They have Devontae Smith. I don't remember who they, they have. Zach Ertz. Well, they had Zach Ertz. I don't remember who their tight end is right now. And they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And people always talk about how having a good center helps your quarterback. They have a Hall of Fame center. Jason Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. Like, I mean, yeah. Jalen Hurts had everything he needed to succeed. And this, I am not trying to take it away from him. I am a fan of his. I 
I think he's earned. I really he's like Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts wouldn't be Jalen Hurts if he played for the Colts or if he played for the Browns or if he played for the Cardinals or if he played for Jacksonville with Urban or if he played for the Texans. Like he's also in a great situation that helped him be able to develop. Which is why I have some, you know, some optimism for Anthony Richardson because Shane Steichen is there and, and stuff like that. But we'll see, you know, whatever. And they had a lot of the same issues, honestly. Yeah. Like, Hertz has a strong arm. He had a very – but the accuracy, that stuff. Um, yeah, but NFL draft. Um, I'm excited. I thought the Bears – I have, I thought a lot of people were hating on the tackle the Bears picked. I love that guy. That guy was crazy. Yeah, I, I think, like – I think if you're going to have a right tackle, you got to get a madman. He also, like, destroyed Will Anderson, so. Yeah. Yep. Um, All right. Last thing on the stuff Jordan missed. Jordan's biggest concern for Ohio State. Um, Oh, you probably could have just talked about the offensive line more. But if you have another concern, that might be bigger. Either way, you take this, what you missed, it's your, your platform now. I have nothing to say. I think you and Matt did a great job, and I'm sure people don't want to hear us talk about the offensive line for a 100th show in a row. It's absolutely the offensive line. We got into it a little bit earlier. They were a little late on transfers. We're not like uh, Josh Simmons was good, but we're not sure if he is great because he had a whole lot of penalties. Um, we don't know for sure about Tegra. We talked about it before. Just because the players are the starters doesn't mean they're actually good, right? Like Carson Hens is probably going to be the starting center, but that doesn't mean he's good. It just means that there's no one else on the roster. Tegra or Josh Simmons or Zin Makowski might be the starting right tackle, but that doesn't mean they're good because there's just no one else on the roster. So you really just don't know. So it's absolutely the offensive line. Um, I really don't have any other major concerns. I mean, no one really cares about tight end, but I'm happy with the tight end room. Wide receivers are amazing. Like, I think at this point, Ryan Day has earned our respect and right to say that whoever he picks at quarterback is going to be good. Defensive line is going to be excellent. Nobody cares about linebackers, but linebackers are going to be one of the best units in the country. Probably better this year than last year. More yeah. depth. Yep. More depth. And Steel Chambers is going to have a third year as a full linebacker. I think he's going to make take a lot of steps. You already laid Core. out the – Yeah. Um, you Could all, be great. Yeah. I'm all in on Davison. Yeah. I mean, you uh, laid out the corners. Like, sure, they're young, but there's better competition in there. You get Lorenzo. You get Davison. You have a, a – Denzel had a great spring and should bounce back. You get a, another year with Jordan Hancock and Jair Brown or whichever one of the Jairs or Jordans or whatever is on the roster because there's a lot of J names in that room. And then, I mean, you get Sonny Styles. Hopefully, Josh Proctor doesn't play that much. Kai Stokes is another year. Lathan Ransom won't be in man coverage. Cameron Martinez will finally be in man coverage and hopefully healthy. Like, it's just offensive line. <laughs> like, it's literally yeah. just offensive line for me. And even, like, it's not like that big of a concern yet because. They don't start off with a tough schedule, you know? They don't start off. It's Indiana, it's Youngstown State, it's Western Kentucky. Like, if I had a new offensive line to break in, there's not three better games than I want. Because, like I said on the last show, Indiana, they're going to do some funky stuff. Like, they're doing, they're at 3-3-5, they have that stacked look, they bring a lot of pressure, they bring it from different angles, they love to stunt. But they're not very talented, in comparison. So if they can manage that and do well there, 
that's exciting. And then if they could improve on the stuff that they weren't great at in the first game, the next two games, you've got Marcus Freeman's basic th- four, two, or three, four, whatever. They they, they kind of have that hybrid Viper position. But we'll just call it a four, two, five. And it it's just not that it's they're they're not that they don't do a lot they they're very straightforward they're very straight up on what they do they want to be good at it but that's not the worry and i don't think their offense is going to be any good this year i think their offense is going to be terrible and i think notre dame is horrible at being a football program um maybe i took that a little too far but um you're right i don't i the more you talk about it i don't really have any concerns I mean, it's it's really just like and and I don't know if you remember this, but we talked about it last year. We literally said they could win a national championship this year because they have CJ Stroud, but it's really 2023 where they'll have a national championship roster. And we listed all the reasons that they will have a national championship roster. And we said it last year. We said the only issue is they need to have the quarterback. Now we didn't know the offensive line was going to be this bad when we were saying it. So that's going to, that's a major issue. That's a major concern, but we literally talked about like 2023 is a year. All the receivers are going to be in their third year. The defensive line is going to be in their third year. They're going to be second year with the, defense um they're gonna have more like this this is a championship roster this is top to bottom aside from offensive line of course this is every other position from offensive line and quarterback this is the best we've had since the chase young the jeff okudas the 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 bosa years this is the best total roster that we've had we finally have some depths and different things like that the problem is you can have a middling defensive line and win a national championship. You can't have a bad offensive line. And so that's the hard part about it. It's hard to have that expectation because of how bad the offensive line could be. But it's hard to have concerns because they do genuinely. I mean, like everyone, everyone that matters is almost almost everyone that matters is a three year starter. And then the other guys are two year starters and is going into their second year starter, including the transfers. It's, it's so much depth. It's so much experience. It's so much talent. If the offensive line is not the worst in the Big Ten or the worst in the country and 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 and, and Kyle McCoy can be a top 12 quarterback in college football, we could go far. Yeah, those numbers were perfect. That's what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, that takes us. We just talked about the roster. That definitely takes us to our final thought of the day. Um, does Texas have the best roster in the country? Um, no, Texas. Texas does not have the best roster in the country. Because you know who has the best roster in the country? Nebraska. <laughs> Do you want to know why Nebraska has the best roster in the country? <laughs> because some guy named Coach Reggie, number 44, in his act, I want you to find this tweet, is at F44Reggie, says Nebraska is going to go 10-2 and two in the Big Ten. They say Ohio State's going to go 9-3 and three in the Big Ten, despite the fact that we haven't lost three games since, like, Luke Fickle was here. And... Their only losses, he has them losing to Michigan. He has them losing to Wisconsin. He has them beating Iowa 41 to 16. Iowa. Iowa doesn't give up 40 points to no one but Ohio State, but they're going to be Iowa 41 to 16, go 10 and 2 and win the Big Ten West. So clearly it's not Texas. It's another old program who was good in the 90s and hasn't been good since. Nebraska has the best roster in the country. 
Who's Nebraska's quarterback going to be? <laughs> I don't know because Casey Thompson is at FAU, which I love, by the way. Casey Thompson, Casey Thompson with our guy, with like with Tom Herman, that's going to be fun. Yeah, Tom that's Herman's gonna be back. Fun. Um, but yeah, I know. I, it was funny. I saw someone write Dundee Andy in the Athletic. Um, the, like they asked if Texas really had the best roster, and he shut that down quick. He's like, yeah. "Nope, Georgia and Ohio State." Yeah, like Texas, Texas. Shortly behind them, Alabama, and then shortly behind them, a uh, list of nine teams. Then you probably have Texas. Texas, like, come on, bro. We're going <laughs> roster for roster. I'm not going to say this team is going to be better, but Texas A&M's roster is better. They just have Jimbo Fisher as a head coach. Yeah, it's 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 far and away better. It's not even close. They have a million five stars. After players transferred, they have a million five stars on their roster. His Oklahoma roster might be better than Texas. Oh, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no only because a lot of their best players are are on USC, and Texas did have a good recruiting class last year, where Oklahoma did not. But it's close. It is very close. Don't get me wrong. Closer than it should be for, you know, Sark being there multiple years. Seven and six, Sark. That's my favorite nickname in sports. (laughs) Yeah, it is is very close. I heard six and six, Sark, and I'm like, yeah, because you just don't know how the season's going to end. If he wins the bowl, he keeps his job. If he loses the bowl, he's going home. (laughs) Yeah, so. Um, Yeah, Texas, Urban. You're very transparent in the fact that you really want to get this job if Sark does not do well this season. He can't hide it. Cannot hide it. But, yeah, no, I, I don't think Texas has the best roster in the Big 12, let alone the country. Nowhere close. Um, Does Oklahoma State – well, maybe not this year. Uh, Kansas State the, might have a better – I mean, TCU might have a better roster than Texas. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at recruiting rankings, Texas should have a better roster than those schools. But I'm just not ready to commit to that because I, I still, I still live in a world where I don't think Steve Sarkeesian is a good coach, and he's not. All stats point to me being correct. Like, before we go, let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. I'll pull Steve Sarkeesian one more time on the show. While, while you pull, while you pull it up, let me ask you a question. Let, let me make a statement. Is Steve Sarkeesian the start of the of the downfall? of the Alabama dynasty because Steve Sarkeesian was a not a great replacement from Lane Kiffin. Like you went from Lane no. Kiffin where the offense was very innovative and things like that to Steve Car- Sarkeesian who was running a, a bastardized version of that and wasn't as good. And then you went downhill from there to who then you went to Bill O'Brien, which was even worse. And now somehow is it possible that your new offensive coordinator is worse than Bill O'Brien? Like, I would take Bill O'Brien before I'd take the Notre Dame guy, Tommy Reese, like, who hasn't proved anything in his entire life. And his big brain thing at Notre Dame was to get the quarter, his big brain thing at Alabama was to get the quarterback from Notre Dame that he recruited over. When he was the Notre Dame offensive coordinator, he said, Sam Hartman, please come here. Our quarterback sucks. And then he went to Alabama and said, dang, let me get the quarterback I didn't like because these quarterbacks suck. So, yeah. yeah. Steve, Steve, I do think that's wild. I think that's wild. Yeah. Um, I never thought of it that way. That is wild. Was he still there when they got Sam Hartman? Yeah. 
Jesus. Because that's, Al- that's cool. Al- because he got Sam in December, and he got the Alabama job late because Bill didn't leave until the NFL hiring cycle, which was in January or February, like right before spring training. Tommy, and then yeah. remember they took a couple. They took almost a month to get the job, so Tommy didn't start to like late February, almost March. So like, yeah, he was there. He was very close to going through a Sam Hartman. Um, uh, uh, spring training with Notre Dame. Wild. Wild. Um, yeah, so Steve Sarkeesian, 34 and 29 at Washington, 8 and 4, took the USC job after his good friend got fired. Um, USC, 9 and 4, first year, you know, taking over a pretty established roster. The very next year, 3 and 2 got fired. Um, didn't even make it through the season. Um, Texas, 5 and 7, 8 and 5. And I'm going to tell you one thing, Steve Sarkeesian, Bijan Robinson's leaving. Austin in a Lamborghini and he's not looking back. Um, so good luck because I'd say Bijan Robinson won him six games by himself last year. Easily. Um, so two and five without Bijan Robinson. Um, that's not good. Um, I'm sure Quinn's going to be better. I'm sure their receivers, their receiver room looks pretty good with AD Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. But Worthy wasn't that great last year. Yeah, That's I think it's overrated, out. to be completely honest with yeah. you. I just don't think – I think Sark is so obsessed with being an offensive guru that he's not necessarily a coordinator. He just wants to look flashy. He wants to look cool. He forget. He forgot about Bijan Robinson multiple times last year. That's why they have five losses. Like, how do you forget about Bijan Robinson? And then I, I like their running back. They got what's his name, Cedric Baxter, right? I think Ohio but he's State not Bijan, so it's like yeah, he's not Bijan, so it's and he and he definitely shouldn't be expected to be as a freshman. Yeah, I just don't like Bijan is like he's a superstar, and if you can lose five games with him on the roster and you lose him, you're bound to lose games. Yeah, and I'm just looking at it. Sark is so fortunate that he was a co-offensive coordinator with Lane Kiffin because I think we've learned that Lane Kiffin is a great coach. Like, he might have his problems, you know, but from an offensive coordinating standpoint, that dude figures it out. Yeah. Sark, what happened when he got his job at Washington? Um his best record was eight and five. Like that's not something to celebrate. No, I mean it's it's hilarious that like people are low key like celebrating Sark and thinking that oh he's gonna get better, he's gonna do good. It's like he's not as good as Tom Herman was, and they fired Tom Herman. But yeah, hey, we know why they fired Tom Herman, and it, and it wasn't because of him as a coach. It was it was because yeah. he didn't suck up the boosters suck up to the boosters and he didn't want his all black roster to sing a literal proven racist song like this is not me saying it's racist this is not like the quote unproven thing that people like to say it is proven to be racist founded in racist things and it was literally first started it was starting to be sung when Texas was not uh, segregated or it was segregated yeah there was no black players allowed on Texas when that song came about so I don't and know if I mean if that's that's racist to say yeah. like, I don't know if we could be a <laughs> and, and he was like hey my players don't feel comfortable singing this song so I'm not gonna make them and they said fire them what <laughs> so alright yeah 
So you don't care about your players? No, no. they don't. They yeah, care about the rich boosters who pay a whole lot of money for them to lose and enjoy a racist song. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good place to end the show. Um, and lastly, on Texas, uh, they have probably the 13th or 14th best roster in the country, and they have the 45th best coach in the country. That is not a winning formula. So, last last. Yeah, last last thing, on, thing last last thing on Texas and Oklahoma. This is their final year in the Big Twelve, and neither one of them are going to win the Big Twelve. I think both of them are going to have no more than eight wins, and then they're going to go to the SEC where they're going to be dog food. <laughs> so yeah, they'll be better than Mississippi State. Congrats! <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll, be better, you'll be better than Vanderbilt. Congrats. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got at Chris Rennie CFB on Twitter. The show's at Buck Off Pod. Make sure you're following us on anywhere you listen to podcasts, Land Grant Podcast Network. Jordan, final outro. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JordanW330. I am back. I'm fully back. We will have some podcasts coming out. I'm going to have some articles coming out. I'm here for the long, boring summer. And very, very soon, very, very soon, we're going to get our football magazines, the, the football Bible that has all of the information that you need. It may be a little bit later than we think because of Champer portal, but we're going to get all the information that we need. And before you know it, we're going to be we're going to be flipping the switch and talking about football season. And that's all that matters. That's it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be here before we know it. It's May. That's three months, and we're in fall camp. And then, boom! Ohio State's playing Indiana. It's here. So, yeah, that's all I got. Um, thank you guys. You guys love hanging out with us. We love hanging out with you. Hour forty-seven this week. I mean, hey, we welcomed you back. We had a lot to talk about. Yeah. And 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 a, a lot of uh, tangents. So, yeah. <laughs> Cam Newton got brought up. <laughs> yeah. On Ohio State podcast in May. Uh, it's all connected. It's a web. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse soon. I'm very excited. Uh, final tangent. We'll see you guys next week. Go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs>